A man has to stand for something or he will fall for anything. I've always loved that. I'm not sure if that's a country song or Plato said it, but it's true. It's true. It's true in life. And even in the swamp, they know that. It's true in politics, all right? You can't just run against things. Just ask the swamp. You can't just be against something. You got to be for something. You can't be, just be against everything. You have to be for something. It's not just enough to say you're against something. You also have to be for something. You can't always be against something. Eventually, you have to shift to being for something. As we've seen from past elections elsewhere, being against something isn't necessarily enough to get you over the line. All right. Makes sense, right? It makes sense from a country music standpoint, uh, from a political standpoint, and from a life standpoint. It really does. And that's why the Democrats are blowing it. Oh, boy, because they have nothing to stand for. They just run against Trump nonstop. So on MSNBC this morning, you turn on the news at 8 o'clock. I turn on MSNBC for laughs. But this isn't just MSNBC at 8 in the morning. This is the media. This is Democrats. This is how they operate. They can't talk about Joe Biden and anything he's accomplished that's good. They can only talk about Trump. At the top of the hour coming up at 8 o'clock here in New York. Let's get back to the legal issues surrounding former President Trump. This morning, a new legal setback for former President Trump. From election and January 6th investigation probes to a criminal investigation in New York. How serious are, is the potential for a problem here for Donald Trump? I think we already know that it's a serious problem for Donald Trump, and he knows it too. I think the president's ice cream cone is melting. I look at all around the case in New York with Letitia James. Uh, clearly, he has gotten a lot of prestige. They see the power of the, of the power of owning that house. Uh, on that mansion on Fifth Avenue. And it goes on like this forever and ever and ever. It's almost done. Last night that a president can declassify something, quote, even by thinking about it. Donald Trump has refused to admit, and the, many of his followers, as Hillary Clinton on this program said last Chris week. Chris Matthews, the career politician, Dick Durbin. Listen to this. With a big ego. I think that's the reality of the situation. What Donald Trump is doing is not only an exercise in ego, uh, but it's dangerous to the future of this country. This person, and I don't even want to call him a public servant. I don't know what he is. You cannot deny democracy to a democracy. And he's doing it. And he's spreading the word through his peeps out there that it's okay to lie. Chris Matthews, you know? always great to have you on with us. Thank Come you. back soon. Thanks. Yeah, for another dose of Trump derangement syndrome, that doesn't do it. Trump derangement, derangement chaos, Trump derangement insanity. They have lost it. They have totally lost it. They're either out overtly lying or just believing their own lies and they've forgotten their lies. They're very excited about this uh, Letitia James, New York State Attorney General lawsuit. Full and complete farce. I know firsthand. I lived in the neighborhood of this building, 40 Wall Street. Letitia James seems to think that that building was worth just $200 million in 2011. Donald Trump said, appropriately so, it was worth $524 million in 2011. That's an iconic building. People know it. It was one of the tallest buildings in Manhattan at the time. And um, I did the comps. That's what they say in real estate, right? You do the comps. So for 2011, 2012, 2010, I ran the comps. This building, 230 Park Avenue, sold for $750 million. Okay, next, please. Another pretty ordinary building, by the way, Park Avenue Plaza. 2011, $569 million. And then 
340 Madison Avenue, a pretty mediocre building, more than a half billion dollars, valuing 40 Wall Street at uh, 500 plus million dollars. That was market value. I don't know what Letitia James is talking about. Neither does she, neither do any of those panelists, not Chris Matthews, uh, Willie Geist, none of them. Don't forget it, please, okay? Meanwhile, this man, young man, bright future, unfortunately, no, he's dead. His name, Keller Ellingson, 18 years old from North Dakota. Guess what? He was run over by a madman in a car, allegedly, this guy, because of his political beliefs. That young man is a Republican. This guy, the suspect, apparently thinks Republicans are extremists and that they're monsters. Next slide, please. Where could he have gotten this idea? 41 years old, charged with leaving the scene of a fatal accident, released on $50,000 bond the next day. Okay, he allegedly ran over somebody and killed them for their political beliefs. And this is okay? A tap on the wrist? What's happening here? And again, who could have presented such a crazy idea that Republicans are extremists? Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. So the president of the United States came up with it, huh? That's who planted that crazy idea maybe in that nut job's head in North Dakota. MAGA, huh? A bunch of extremists, a bunch of crazy people. Is that true? Was that true of Kaylor Ellingson, just 18 years old, his entire life ahead of him? Might have been a little bit politically active. That's actually a good thing. MAGA is a good thing. Hey, if he disagrees with us, that's a good thing, too. You're not supposed to be killed for your political beliefs in this country. No outrage. No one's talking about this poor kid and his family. Whereas everybody, the entire world, talked about Matthew Shepard. Do you remember this case? And he, too, should not have died. He was persecuted for his sexuality. Uh, I believe he lived in Wyoming. There were massive uh, memorials throughout the world being persecuted for your sexuality. That's horrific. And so is being persecuted, being killed for your political beliefs, whether they're pro-MAGA or anti-MAGA. It's interesting what's encouraged, what's tolerated, what's glorified. Protests, borderline violent protests outside the homes of Supreme Court justices, which are expressly prohibited by statute, are allowed to happen. What about all of the violence against pro-life facilities? They have been firebombed. This really has happened. And no one seems to care. Not even our Justice Department. Aren't they supposed to be concerned? It's interesting what Democrats embrace, what the media elevates, and what they ignore. Do you remember what happened in, was it Charlottesville? Charlottesville. Uh, this horrible event. A madman apparently got into his car and drove into a crowd of people. Um, and he killed Heather Heyer. Remember that name? Heather Heyer? And a uh, very nice woman, apparently, and uh, just never should have happened. One person was killed at a riot that went horribly wrong. And that changed, according to Joe Biden, the trajectory of history. Why the selective outrage? This moment, Charlottesville, the very first words out of his mouth when he declared for president were. Charlottesville, Virginia. Charlottesville, Virginia. It's why he tells us he ran for president. He needed 
he needed a clever storyline. He was running. He wanted to run in 16, so this was his last chance. But he, he wrapped it all around Charlottesville. And they were met by a courageous group of Americans. And a violent clash ensued. And a brave young woman lost her life. And that was horrible. But it's interesting. A brave young woman loses her life. It changes national history, world history. This young man, Kaylor Ellingson, killed for his political beliefs and nobody cares. Targeted, targeted because he's MAGA. And that's when we heard the words of the president of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the conscience of this nation. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides. Very fine people on both sides. With those words, the president of the United States assigned a moral equivalence between those spreading hate and those with the courage to stand against it. There are still people out there who believe, thanks to the president, the mainstream media, that Donald Trump for had a lapse and somehow called white supremacists very good people. He did not. This is the big lie, all right? It's the original sin of the Biden administration. It's all based on a lie, what Donald Trump actually said. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. You heard it out loud, okay? <laughs> he specifically condemned the white supremacists and the neo-Nazis, but whatever. Uh, this is politics, right? And Joe made a lie, the centerpiece of his campaign and presidency. Why today I'm announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. Yep. It was all based on Charlottesville, the Charlottesville lie. This is the big lie, maybe. We can't forget what happened in Charlottesville. Even more important, we have to remember who we are. This is America. I'm going to take his advice. We can't forget Charlottesville and how Joe Biden has been exploiting it and lying about it. He's still doing it. Just last week, he had Heather Heyer's mother at the White House. Seems like a very nice lady. But uh, Joe has has lied about that event. He has lied about President Trump and he's shameless. And it's all documented. We can prove it. We do it all the time. Isn't it incredible? I'm very sad, actually, that Heather Heyer was killed. And I'm also very sad and troubled that Kaylor Ellingson is no longer with us. Targeted, we believe, because of his political beliefs. Folks, when you have a lying, twisted administration and you go woke, things really do get demented. This is the, I don't know if he's the White House press secretary, the deputy White House press secretary, but his name is Kirby. And he seems like a kind of an edgy salesman, but he works at the White House and he lies too. Some on the right have suggested that it's 
the administration's policies, right? It's the requirement of the vaccine. It's the, quote, woke policies in the military that's leading less people uh, to want to join. What do you make of that? Yeah, there's no indications of that. First of all, it's a bogus claim. There's no wokeness in the military. The military is by, and it should be, a diverse organization. We're supposed to represent and defend all Americans. And our diversity, and I've seen this myself firsthand, aboard ships at sea, the diversity of the United States military makes us stronger, it makes us smarter, helps us make better decisions. There's no wokeness. This is a, this, they're driving a stake through a straw man. Uh, and we've seen no indications that uh, concerns, culture concerns like that, are having uh, an impact on, on recruiting. Kind of a nervous type, this guy, right? There's no wokeness in the military. And then he proceeds to, you know, go into all the woke talking points. Oh, our diversity. Yes, our diversity is why we have such a great military. No, how about trained men and women in uniform, mission focused, good at their jobs? It does not matter what they look like. But this administration, again, at the White House, this guy, total disaster. It's a very strange individual. I do not like him. Sorry. You're telling me we don't have a woke military? When the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff sits around and says stuff like this. I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. Knock yourself out, uh, Mark. I think the military should be focused on, I don't know, breaking the enemy's material, property, and killing the bad guys. Sorry. Pretty cool, right? You might want to join the Air Force. The F-22, I believe? What an airplane. It's no F-18. It's no Harrier, but it's pretty good. But that's not really what the Air Force is focused on these days. At the venerable Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, we have uh, part of their curriculum with us. It's all that DEI stuff, diversity, equity, inclusion, okay? Straight out of the Air Force Academy's curriculum, take a look at what they're focusing on these days. Number one, you must confront stereotypes and microaggressions ASAP. Yikes, this is dicey stuff. Microaggression, can you define it? It is, it's subjective, it's weird. You're going to take them far away from the mission and going around confronting people, bad idea. It gets worse, though. So terms like parents, caregivers, guardians, you must use those. Do not use mom and dad. Oh, that's so bourgeois, mom and dad. Maybe you have two mommies. Maybe you have two daddies. Maybe parents, caregivers, guardian. Go with that, cadets. <laughs> Next, please. Again, from the Air Force curriculum. Do not use the N-word. Okay, fine. R-word, not sure what that is, or F-word. Um, and don't use the word terrorist. Why not? What's going on? Did we win? Did we beat all the terrorists? What is happening? This is how they control thought, by trying to control language, okay? And this is not good for anybody, especially our military. Next, please. Partner versus boyfriend slash girlfriend. You know, our military really should be there for winning wars, not trying to rearrange society, okay? We can do that in the civilian sector if we want to. It probably should take hundreds of years. Don't do it at some seminar at the Air Force Academy. Next, please. Uh, Y'all, 
team, squatties, everyone, folks, versus you guys. Hmm. You can't say you guys anymore, but they want us to say y'all, which is kind of a, it's kind of a Southern thing, right? Y'all, it's not exactly proper grammar. Y'all, y'all, that's the way you show you're really woke by saying y'all, y'all, y'all dig what I'm saying? Next, please. Uh, an inclusive climate connects each airman, guardian, cadet to the organization. A professional environment should do that. What are we talking about? Let's focus on the mission, on the military, on the, the code, the values. People know how to run military. He's been doing it for a very long time, effectively, until recently. Wrapping up, please. Diversity among airmen guardians opens the door to creative solutions and provides a competitive edge in air, space, and cyberspace. Diversity among airmen. So that means if there's not enough diversity, does that really have any bearing? If it's an... (laughs) If you have too many black people in a unit, is that a problem or Hispanic or white? This is a horrible way to think. It's about the uniform, unity, all on one team, no matter what the hell you look like. And this language is code for woke. Some of it is just not even code. It's outright woke. Next, please. Uh, They wrap up the seminar like this. What did this session prompt you to want to learn more about on your own or in future sessions? I think it prompted a lot of the cadets to think about civilian careers outside the Air Force. What do you think? One more thing. Joe Biden yesterday was so spent, so over it, so recognizing that he's not really a leader. He ended his speech this way. Thank you for tolerance for listening to me. I appreciate it very much. God bless you all. You're representing the United States of America. Thank you for your tolerance. Thank you for listening to me. Joe is speaking for himself, possibly. He has all kinds of demons. Everybody does, but especially him. Thank you for listening to me. Don't bring your problems to the world stage. He's acting like he's already dead. And in some ways, he is. I mean, I'm sorry, but he's taken care of himself financially. His son seems to be protected from the Department of Justice. He's over it. He's over all of it. You can tell. You know who's not? You know who's still fighting every single day in the middle of it? (laughs) There he is. You can just tell. I mean, this guy has not called it quits. He's got enough money. He's got enough houses. He could have... But Joe Biden already has. It's amazing. He's fighting for us. He's fighting stronger for us as a non-president than the president is. That's something. All right. Stay with us. Coming up, the left says you cannot send migrants on a plane to other states. They must stay in the border states. But blue states have been sending homeless people all over the country for years. Yes, for years. And they get a lot of praise for it when they do it. We'll be right back. The guy taking a selfie there, this is up in Martha's Vineyard. Does he look like a victim of human trafficking? Okay. You know what they're saying. Uh, The DeSantis and uh, Greg Abbott, they are human traffickers for calling attention, for doing this in the middle of the day. Human traffickers, really, these people are so dishonest and so desperate. I'm talking about the left, Democrats. Take a look. 
Some politicians would rather not only have an issue, but exacerbate it to the extent of literally human trafficking, as you said. These are the kinds of tactics we see from smugglers in places like Mexico and Guatemala. This governor chartered two planes from Texas, uh, kidnaps 50 people. The morality of this aside, which is absolutely horrific, it's human trafficking. <laughs> None of these people say anything about the border that Joe Biden essentially ruined, no border security now, about genuine uh, moments of human trafficking and human death. Take a look. Uh, 13 migrants dead in early September trying to cross the Rio Grande. Uh, 51 migrants dead in an abandoned truck in Texas. Uh, 55 migrants dead, a truck crash. This stuff happens all the... Oh, by the way, look at this. In 2021, there were 557 deaths of migrants in, uh, you know, unnatural circumstances. And now, so far this year, already up to 750, yet somehow sending migrants on air-conditioned buses and planes with their permission, with food, with water, with... This is human trafficking. Now they are asked, they volunteer to go. This is not, we know what human trafficking looks like. We also know that the left, they're a bunch of drama queens, especially AOC. Remember this? She showed up in Texas and got all glum and tried to make it look like she was looking at a kid in a cage, but she was just looking at a fence. Okay, this is, this is what they do. But fascinatingly, the left, especially big city, blue city mayors like uh, Gavin Newsom, have been sending the homeless on buses for years. I know Gavin Newsom was a mayor of San Francisco before governor, and he'd load up the homeless onto buses and send them places. Didn't want them in San Francisco. Take a look at this. Is this human trafficking? It actually isn't. San Francisco had this program. Take a look. They were busing homeless people out all the time. Uh, since February of 2005, the city has provided nearly 10,000 homeless residents Greyhound bus tickets, also a $10 per travel day allowance for food to cities across the United States under the Homeward Bound program. Homeward Bound, by the way, is something that uh, Gavin Newsom came up with himself. Uh, San Francisco thinks maybe it's found at least a partial solution. Send the homeless back home, back to where they've come from. San Francisco Mayor Gavin Newsom calls his Homeward Bound program a major success. And the New York Times reports the solution is cheap and simple. As cities see their homeless populations grow, many are buying one-way bus tickets to send people to a more promising destination. You see, when Democrats do it, it's totally beautiful or it's totally invisible. The Biden administration has been sending uh, migrants all over the country uh, on planes. They do it in the middle of the night, often after airports close. Rob Astorino, former county executive of Westchester, found this, and nobody in the media seemed to care that the Biden administration was uh, chartering big private jets to bring migrants to places like New York in the middle of the night and not tell anybody. Listen to this. I like to comply. You know what I'm saying? I comply. Everybody, Easy. Uh, yeah. Technically, we're not supposed to show IDs or anything like that. Like I said, everything's supposed to be hush-hush. But you know what? If I show you my ID and I'm up front with you, the next time you see me, hey, I know who he is. Yeah, it's easy. See what I'm saying? Everything's supposed to be hush-hush. We can't talk to the press. Anyway. See, you see the hypocrisy. I want to say something about Amy Cooper. You know who she is? The so-called Central Park Karen. This woman 
had her life ruined, and it was so unfair. So many lies have been told about her. She was mm, seen in a viral video. They falsely portrayed her as a racist. She lost her job, and now she lost a lawsuit to get her job back. I think she deserved it. Uh, lost lawsuit against her former employer, sued them for firing her and illegally portraying her as a racist. Uh, it didn't work out for her in court, but she's right. And she's not a racist. She's a victim here. Uh, take a look at this. Would you please stop? Sir, I'm asking you to stop. Please don't come close to me. Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording. Please, please don't come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to me. Please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Please tell them whatever you like. So that was enough for most people. Oh, she must be a racist. She referred to the race of the man who was threatening her. More on that in a moment. She's very upset. And that stayed with me. Take a look. There is an African-American man. I am in Central Park. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. I'm sorry, I can't hear you either. I'm being threatened by a man in the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. I've been in that part of the park, by the way. It is deserted. It, you feel very much alone. And if you're alone with this individual who did threaten her, I have proof. We'll get to that in a moment. But the media never bothered to get to that proof. They never, they just saw the viral video and then just shot their mouths off. Take a look. A New York City woman has lost a high-level job in finance after a video of her racially charged confrontation with a black man went viral. We all saw Amy Cooper in Central Park weaponizing her whiteness to call a police officer on a black man who's just watching birds. Those cops could have showed up. His fate could have been, fate could have been similar as Mr. Floyd. She literally weaponized his race and weaponized her privilege. She knew that by calling the police, it would be to her advantage. And that they might save her life because she was threatened. Now, the man who was taking the video is this guy named Christian Cooper, who liked to go to the park and look at birds. Okay, well, after he took the video, he went home and he went to his Facebook page and he wrote it all up, everything that happened before, by the way, this became major news. So we have his version of the story. He wrote up a transcript. This is totally authenticated. It's Christian Cooper's version of events. And he threatened her. First up, he says, uh, this is like a transcript he wrote. Ma'am, dogs in the ramble have to be on the leash at all times. The sign is right there. Her, according to him. The dog runs are closed. He needs his exercise. Okay, then he says, according to him, all you have to do is take him to the other side of the drive, outside the ramble, and you can let him run off the leash all you want. Her, it's too dangerous. Okay, me, look, if you're going to do what you want, I'm going to do what I want, but you're not going to like it. What's that? Come here, puppy, puppy. I'm going to do what I want, and you're not going to like it. Come here, puppy, puppy. You know, some people, their dogs are like their children, okay? Next, please. Her, here, he won't come to you. Me, we'll see about that. Talk about creepy. 
I pull out the dog treats I carry for just such intransigence. I didn't even get a chance to toss any treats to the pooch before Karen scrambled to grab the dog. Her. Don't touch my dog. That's when I started video recording with my iPhone and when her inner Karen bully emerged and took a dark turn. The man just threatened her child, the dog. I'm going to do something and you're not going to like it. And then she might have to get close to him to rescue the dog. I totally understand. This guy is a freak and a weirdo. If you say that, now, guess what? He had a viral video, so he's rewarded with his own TV show, National Geographic. The National Geographic announces uh, a slate of new personality-driven content, and the show is called Extraordinary Birder, hosted by lifelong New York City birder and creep Christian Cooper. Yeah, that was a very creepy thing to do. I can't imagine somebody else's dog, and I say, I'm going to give them treats. You're not going to like it. Come here. That is very aberrant behavior, wouldn't you think? So Christian Cooper, uh, you're a bad dude. Um, And Amy Cooper, you're a victim in all of this. I'm so sorry this happened to you. Globally cyberbullied, lost everything. But you know what? I think everything someday will be restored. I really do. Stay with us. We'll be right back with, ah, what are they doing over on Fox and Friends? Nice people, but they're getting wasted at 8 in the morning. Yeah, that's great. That's great for America. Don't you think with our opioid epidemic, everyone's, yeah, yeah, pounding down at 8 in the morning. That's what the Today Show used to do. All I can say is Is that that the fake fake news just just doesn't doesn't get get it, do they? They do not. You know, I was going around the dial. First, MSNBC. Of course, it's terrible. We talked about it earlier. It's all Trump bashing all the time. It's like Joe Biden doesn't exist. They're just bashing and bashing and bashing on Trump. So I switch over to Fox and Friends. Nice people. Well, I like the show sometimes. Sometimes it it confuses me. Um, It's eight o'clock in the morning. Is that a good time to drink? Really? Anyway, they did it. Everybody's had orange juice already. So now we are at the villages. Here you go, buddy. All right, who's ready? It's 8 o'clock. Ainsley and Brian, I have ID'd everybody here, and they are over 18. And of course, as I have heard at the villages, every, you know, every hour is happy hour here. So ladies, here you go. All right. So it's kind of cute. I used to do it myself when I hosted a morning show. But then uh, the alcohol, actually, sometimes I found myself drinking after the morning show and all the way into the afternoon. And I know there are probably a couple of people in the villages right now still drunk because they started this morning. It's a bad thing. America does not need this. Did you know not to be 350 people die from their drug or alcohol abuse each and every day in the United States. This drinking, especially in the morning, on a weekday morning, 
You know, this is what the fake fake news used to do. NBC, they don't even do it anymore. But on the Today Show, they had uh, Wines Day and then Wines Day turned out to be every day. And they're always drinking and having cocktails. And uh, they stopped doing it uh, after the pandemic. I think that's smart. But something's happening in America. Um, yeah, I was walking home last night. I saw some construction workers actually smoking weed, smoking weed. Uh, it was in the middle of the day and they're getting high. I mean, uh, I saw a security guard uh, getting high um, in the middle of the day. Not her, by the way. <laughs> she looks fine. Uh, not, not her, but they did have a big security on their shirt. This is not what superpowers do. Their people don't get stoned. All right. That's what they do in Russia. It's one of the many reasons why they are losing, losing in Ukraine right now. Hey, if you're tempted to drink or you think you might have a problem, help is available. Donald Trump never had a drop of alcohol. You know, he never would have been president. Can you imagine this guy drinking, by the way? We love him, but he even will tell you that. He got a very good lesson, an effective lesson from his big brother. I had a brother, Fred, great guy, best looking guy, best personality, but he had a problem. He had a problem with alcohol and he would tell me, don't drink, don't drink. He was substantially older and I listened to him and I respected, but he would constantly tell me, don't drink. He'd also add, don't smoke, but he would say it over and over and over again. And to this day, I've never had a drink, but I learned because of Fred. I learned. What a big brother, huh? Fred Trump, he could have made his little brother his drinking buddy, but he didn't. And Fred Trump changed the world. And sir, we thank you. And we'll be right back with J.R. Majewski. He is running for Congress. He's amazing. He's under fire right now, but he's a tough guy. They're messing with the wrong man. J.R. Majewski, Republican for Congress from Ohio, when we come back. So that is Marcy Kaptur, a Democrat congresswoman from Northwest Ohio. You know, she's been there since 1983. That is a long time. She's running for re-election, running far away from Joe Biden, has essentially disavowed him. Her opponent is the Republican nominee, and Trump endorsed J.R. Majewski. He's made Democrats very, very nervous. This seat could flip. So Democrats and the media seem to be out to get him. A hit piece from the Associated Press. Ohio GOP House candidate has misrepresented military service. He is a military veteran and did deploy overseas. Uh, I read the story. We'll have more on that in a moment. But first, J.R. Majewski, candidate for Congress, joins us once again. J.R., how are you? I'm doing good, Greg. How about yourself, brother? Terrific. Look, this is quite a story, but I'll say something. It goes on for pages and pages and pages, but the actual allegations against you are <laughs> very few, very few regarding your military service. So I will ask you this first. They say they evaluated your military records and they say you never deployed to Afghanistan, but instead completed a six month stint helping to load planes at an air base in Qatar. Sir, my question to you first, did you ever set foot in Afghanistan? Absolutely. Myself and other airmen uh, deployed to Qatar. That was where CENTCOM was. That was our 
staging base and you know we deployed all from there all throughout the uh, area of responsibility and we're the people that gave supplies to the front line we're the people that transported the fighters to the front line uh so you are totally entitled to call yourself a combat veteran? I believe so, but I was out of the service before that uh, that ribbon was was created by President Bush. And, um, you know, I just never took the time out to apply for it. Well, let me actually clarify. According to what I understand of military records and what you've just told me and piecing it all together, you are a combat veteran. And actually, this article deep inside concedes that you are a combat veteran. We'll get to that in a moment. But you mentioned the uh, the award, the trophy. Okay, they say this, uh, not the trophy, but the award. He also did not receive a Global War on Terrorism Expeditionary Medal which was issued to service members before the creation of the Afghanistan Campaign Medal. Yes, this was not there, but you probably do have a global war on terrorism ribbon. I do not because I did not apply for it. As I said, I, I exited the service honorably uh, prior to that being identified as a campaign medal. Well, uh, we have a statement from the Air Force which actually helps you uh, because from what I know about records, they would not have this. So here's what they told us. There is no way for us to verify whether or not he served in Afghanistan during his deployment time frame to Qatar. So these kinds of things, actually, if your squadron is stationed in Qatar and you go on trips, sorties into Afghanistan, they would not be listed necessarily on, say, your DD-214 or any kind of exit material from the military, correct? That's correct. My DD-214, which, you know, these reporters aligned with Marcy Captor, Greg, to maliciously harm both my personal life and my campaign. Okay? I provided them willingly with a copy of my DD-214. They published that. That's my private record. They never asked for my permission. They did it anyway. Okay? This, this report from the Air Force is full of innuendos, and that's what they're running off of. It says blatantly. The list of awards and decorations for Mr. Majewski may be incomplete or not up to date. It also says that they have absolutely zero visibility on where I deployed to or where I traveled to once I was there on the ground in Qatar. This is a lie. This is a slander because Marcy Camper is scared as hell that she's going to lose in November. And by the way, putting Afghanistan out of the equation for a moment, just by being in Qatar and very deep in the story, they do say that then-President George H.W. Bush designated for the first time countries used as combat support areas as combat zones. And anybody can look it up. You know, we lost Marines in Lebanon. We, we lost airmen and soldiers in, uh, at Kobar Towers, I believe, in Saudi Arabia. Being in the Middle East, being in a place like Qatar is dangerous, is, without, is not without danger. Any final thoughts, sir? You know, Greg, it's one thing to fight the Democratic Party who are so bloodthirsty, but the fact that they're attacking me as a veteran is horrendous. Marcy Kaptur has done this before. She had an opponent 20 years ago. She lied about him. She slandered him. She's lied about me every step of the way during this campaign. None of her commercials have been about her accomplishments. They've all been slanderous, libelous attacks against me. And the people in Ohio's 9th District are very, very well aware of what Marcy's up to, and they're going to help me win in November. I can promise you that. 
J.M. Majewski, Republican, combat veteran, candidate for the House of Representatives. Sir, many, many thanks. Good luck. Listen, this is going to happen when you're uh, when you're when you're a threat. And uh, I know you can take it. Thank you, sir. President Trump endorsed me for a reason, buddy. <laughs> he sure did. Thank you. And we'll be right back. Hey, we are back with uh, former Senator Rick Santorum, Republican of Pennsylvania. Senator, great to have you on the show. How are you? Thank you, Greg. I'm doing great. Great to be with you. So, look, I know you're pro-life. Uh, I consider myself pro-life. And I would just like to uh, play this for you. And maybe you can tell me what it is. I think we've heard it before. We're both fathers, of course. Uh, this is yeah. about six weeks or so into the process. Let's go ahead and hit that sound, please. Senator, does that sound familiar to you? Boy, does it sound familiar. You know, we have, we have seven children, and, the, and every parent knows that the first really big exciting thing that happens when you, when you have a baby is getting that six-week sonogram and hoping to hear that heartbeat. I mean, that's the thing that, you know, you hope everything's going well, but everyone wants to hear that six-week heartbeat, heartbeat to make sure that that baby's fine. And for someone to suggest that that's not a heartbeat, uh, you have to tell every parent who's seen, who's, who's listened for that heartbeat uh, that they were being lied to. Well, that person, that someone was Stacey Abrams. Pretty shocking. Take a look. There is no such thing as a heartbeat in six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body away from her. Why would she say that? What is she thinking? Man-made. And we only have a few moments, but I've never yeah, heard uh, of such an idea. It's, it's outrageous. But look, this is just a series of lies that the, that the pro-abortion groups have been telling for years to dehumanize the child in the womb, to make people think that it's just a blob of tissue. It's not a, it's not a human being. It's, it's something that can be disposable. It's, it's not something you should be concerned about. And you should go ahead and have an abortion. It's a good thing. So they lie about it. And this is just another lie, although this is one that I think just uh, people are, are, are not going to buy. Senator Rick Santorum, we appreciate it so much. And uh, please, let's do this more often, OK? Look so forward to it. Thanks. All right. Thank you, sir. And we'll be right back. Hey, thank you so much, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow.